Hey, it's Zaki. In this episode, we sought to learn more about a phenomenon that's pervasive not only in Israel, but in pretty much all of Western society, fat phobia. We spoke to Mai Kimchi and Shai Weiss, professionals whose work is deeply affected by fat phobia, and learned about what it is and how it manifests in our country. You're listening to... <laughs> Fat phobia, which will be better defined by our experts in just a moment, affects not only people who are quote-unquote overweight, but it affects the way our society functions and sees people and their bodies. From day-to-day interactions to medical diagnosis and thought, it distorts our perception of people and ourselves based mostly on inaccurate health information. A small production note, for this episode, instead of our usual format of speaking to an affected representative of the issue we're discussing, we wanted to speak to people who have both professional knowledge and experience on the subject. Uh, we wanted to understand fat phobia on a deeper level and share their knowledge so that anyone listening can know what's going on here and how it affects all people. So we spoke to Mai and Shai separately, asking them the same questions, and we've grouped their answers together for your listening convenience. Without further ado, here's Mai and Shai. My name is Mai. I live in Jerusalem. Uh, I'm a personal trainer and I also have a BA in social work from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Uh, I really, really love fitness, especially strength training. And I work with a lot of different people who are especially aspiring to make their health better. My name is Shai. I'm from Tel Aviv in Israel. I, I am a personal trainer, but my main uh, job is I'm a, I'm a dietitian. I'm a nutritionist. And um, I work with the non-diet approach, which means that I basically help people rebuild their relationship with food. Um, the main focus is uh, people with the history or present uh, eating disorders, um, disordered eating, emotional eating, or just people who have had really bad experiences within the diet industry, which fat phobia is very, very common there. So I think we'll, we'll kind of get right into it. Can you talk to me about what fat phobia or sizeism mean or what they refer to uh, when people use those terms? Yes, uh, I'll also refer to weight bias or weight stigma because they're all pretty much the same. I'll probably use the word fat phobia the most. Uh, it's basically the fear and hatred of fat bodies. It's a form of discrimination that pretty much says that people of higher weight are inferior physically, intellectually, morally, and health-wise. It's basically dehumanization of fat people. Fat phobia well, is kind of exactly the way it, see, it sounds. It has more than one way of, of uh, presenting itself. It's phobia from, from like fat people as well, but also from fat tissue, from being fat myself. So it's not just I have specific ideas or stigma about, about people with certain body types. I also have a very, very a hard time accepting my own fat tissue and what it says about me. Uh, I think it's fascinating to think about it historically, because if we go really back, body weight has been a good, pretty much good re representation of wealth and class in the past. So if you were overweight, you had money because you had food. Today, it's pretty much the opposite because the most accessible and affordable options of food are pretty much calorie dense and processed. So sin is now considered the upper class because it means that you probably 
care about your health and you probably eat pretty expensive and fresh food. And sizeism is bias because of someone's size, body size. And can, this, can go, this can go both ways because uh, in our society where our body size and our person and our um, external look, I guess, has a lot to do with the way society treats us, sizes and actually go both ways. People tend to give specific traits and virtues to people with bigger bodies and also people with smaller bodies because this is a very important issue to, to emphasize. Let's say someone with a larger body, it's very easy to think he's lazy, he's, um, he doesn't have personal hygiene, he's a failure, he doesn't have a willpower. Someone with a smaller body is automatically successful, everything is happy. So it kind of goes goes both ways. It is interesting that you mentioned that, you know, people with smaller bodies are seen as successful, even when uh, that's not necessarily the case with everybody. You know, you can't judge someone's mental health based on their size. Of course. It also go it, it also goes to the way that people will, uh, the, the people tend to think that people with smaller bodies uh, eat whatever they want and they're so lucky and they're so, they're, they have, they're very happy in life. And it's kind of like, it's a very, it's really deeply connected to the fat phobia because the opposite is we tend to think people that are the bigger bodies are unhappy are unsuccessful always trying to lose weight that's kind of the both sides of the same coin but if we look at it on the society level um people with larger bodies have it much harder i guess so that is also important to emphasize i think that fat phobia is really aligned with the social construction that the ideal weight or ideal look is thin, which is very much diet culture. It was interesting that you said not only is it from a physical perspective or you're talking about that dehumanization, right, that plays into it and uh, and thinking about how even popular ideas that, you know, larger people or fatter people um, are even intellectually lower, um, which, which was, I think... Uh, a bit shocking to me even to hear because I definitely have been, I have grown up watching cartoons, for example, where like the big fat security guard is, uh, you know, um, th that's definitely something that, that plays into uh, the, the common parlance towards uh, mm -hmm. larger people. Yeah, I think uh, you brought a, a really good point, which I was about to talk about. Uh, even if you think about like, let's say, I think we most of us grew up on Disney characters. If we think about The Little Mermaid and we think about the evil and the bad character, it was Ursula, which was in a bigger body. Also the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland. So we, when we see fat people in media and in TV and movies and everything, they're usually either funny or mean, or lazy, or stupid, or out of control. And think about it as children, we don't really have the critical look that we might have as adults. So we really internalize those ideas from a very, very young age. And I think that's part of the problem because, and we also don't really, I don't think we think about it. There's also another form of fat phobia, which is internalized fat phobia. Think about the fear of gaining weight. I think a lot of people and probably a lot of the listeners are afraid of gaining weight, which is crazy when we think about it. It's also internalized fat phobia. And when we talk about uh, the people near us 
and we talk about uh, our need to lose weight or want to lose weight and feeling bad because we gain weight maybe during quarantine or I don't know from what reason, it's also a form of internalized fat phobia. And I don't think that a person is a bad person for having stigmas and biases towards fat people. I think it's the way we were raised and brought up. So it's kind of hard. It's a complex idea when you think about it like that. You kind of mentioned um, how these ideas, you know, this internalization, that's something that could come up in a, in a day-to-day, like the day-to-day life of, of someone who... Uh, you know, who, who's maybe thinking about these or very sensitive to these ideas. Um, are there any other ways that the ideas of uh, fat phobia, sizeism, weight bias, uh, that these come up in day-to-day life? Yeah, like in a lot of ways. I'll start with the basic thing, which is I think is the most harmful, which is the internalization of this idea. That you think that because you may be in a larger body, you are inferior. Maybe you think yourself as lazy unworthy of love, disgusting, and imagine living with those beliefs about yourself and also, unfortunately, getting this, let's say, sort of vibe from other people around you. It tends to be systematic. I mean, it's everywhere. It starts with the medical community, that if someone with a larger body comes to the doctor or to a dietitian, the fir- probably the, like, the main thing is you're going to have to lose weight. Even if it's like with an eye problem or a knee problem, or I have even had a patient of mine tell me that they went with their sister. They weren't even the main focus because they were in a bigger body. Automatically, diet, the doctor started to give them diet advice. It manifests while you're shopping for clothes because people who, well, there is a very um, uh, provocative, I think it's provocative term, it's called same privilege. A lot of people aren't aware of the privilege it is to have a, a like a, I don't want to use the word normal body, but I think you know what I mean. Your body frame is in, but it goes in line with the uh, ideal, what's supposed to be the ideal body. But even if you're in a larger body, you go shopping for clothes, you can go a whole day without finding anything your size, without seeing anyone that has your body frame in like the advertisements. It can be when you're starting, when you're looking for a job, you know, there's um, fat phobia and sizeism when you're trying to look for new jobs because you're not uh, the way you look supposedly has a, a large impact on how professional you are. That's that's what people tend to think. It can even be when you're going on a plane or on a bus and you can't stay in your seat. Um, it can be around the food table, the dinner table, where if someone is skinny, no one asks what they're eating, how they're eating, as long as they're skinny. But if someone is overweight, automatically they get a second look if they ask for another piece of cake or if they're not eating salad, th- something is wrong. I had a patient of mine tell me that she used to go the whole day um, used to avoid eating in public because she was too ashamed of the looks she would have gotten because of she was in a larger body. Also, people who suffer from fat phobia are more likely to be avoidant. It comes, it can start with like small things, like not going so often to shop or to meet people or even to exercise. A lot of people tell me as a personal trainer that they are afraid to go to the gym because they don't think they're skinny enough and they're afraid of being judged. And think about it, it's a very vicious cycle. I think one of the most uh, common complaints I hear is, Shai, I don't think I'm thin enough to go to the gym, which just kind of breaks my heart every time I hear that because, you know, the gym should be a place where everybody should feel welcome and they go to better themselves and make themselves healthier. But the gym industry kind of brands itself as um, 
the thin industry, I guess, or the fitness industry. Um, so that's one of the, also the main issues in the gyms and, uh, and also in diet culture, obviously. I want to I want to touch on that um, kind of you were, you were speaking about from a medical perspective, uh, and you said that you know the first thing that the doctor mentions is that you need to lose weight. I think. Um, maybe as a result of that phenomenon, or you know, maybe that's a, a symptom of it that people typically associate being fat with being unhealthy, right? So I want to ask about how the anti-fat phobic mindset uh, approaches that idea. Um, and I, as I understand it, you know, that's something that you employ in your uh, profession. Yes, exactly. Um, first of all, I'd like to define, um, let's say, quote unquote, fat. So the main way which being overweight is defined is by BMI, which is body mass index, which when it's over 30, you are considered overweight. The, the higher the BMI number is, it's come, it can be overweight, obese, morbidly obese and everything. The problem is that BMI is not a very good predictor predictor of health. A study from 2016 uh, led by ULCA psychologist has found that using BMI incorrectly labeled more than 54 million Americans as unhealthy, even though they are not. The problem with BMI, when we focus on BMI, we ignore another uh, aspect of health because BMI is just, it's dividing your and your weight by your height. And health, if we think about health, you know what, I'll ask you a question. What do you think when you think about health? How would you define health? Um, I guess a lot of it plays into what you're eating and how much you're exercising. Um, I hope that that's not too wrong. No, it's not too wrong, but I think it's a part of it. And I think you answered what most people would say. Uh, but if you ask me and a lot of other people, health is also mental health. Uh, uh, I have a lot of interest in uh, <clears throat> in eating disorders. And eating disorders are very, very, very... It's a big discussion and they vary a lot. And a lot of people, even most people with eating disorders, are not underweight. But when you think about a very thin person... Maybe they have a very low BMI, which also is not a very good predictor of health, and they're unhealthy. But you don't really think about it because we don't think that skinny is unhealthy. I think the main problem is that we can't, no matter what, we cannot judge someone's health by their looks. Yeah. So, I mean, just touching on that briefly, um, you know, people of, of, I guess, you know, large bodies and small bodies, they all need to deal with. Um, the way that they're eating and, and some people who are maybe underweight, you know, need to eat more, overweight, need to eat less kind of, uh, could you, could you give me a little bit of, um, information on what is your approach to, you know, both sides of that spectrum? Uh, I think it's a great question. And I think we should look at health in more holistic way. Um, a lot of people today are, are sometimes they get to the level that they're scared of food. They have, they don't know what to eat. They don't trust themselves around food. So the, ba the basic approach would be the same, whether it's a larger body or a smaller body, um, with the basics being, uh, first of all, to make sure that the, per the, the reason why we eat, I, I also always like to talk about the reason why we eat, to know that the person 
has a positive outlook on why he eats because food can be a way to nourish the body and make it better and healthier and stronger, but it can also be a way to make the body smaller and make it disappear and make it fit into a very specific uh, body frame. But in general, all people should, um, I guess, have a positive relationship with food. And on, on top of that, try to eat as much uh, as they can according to their hunger, natural hunger cues. And if there's one recommendation I can like give everyone, because nutrition is very, very um, personal, is try to eat as minimally processed, I guess that's the right way to, way to say um, because the main problem today is processed food, ultra processed food and processed food. That's, that goes like across the spectrum. Doesn't matter if you're overweight, underweight. I think that should be like the main recommendation. So moving forward, I, I want to ask in terms of Israeli society, uh, you work in an environment where you are addressing the ideas of fat phobia and sizeism very frequently. So I want to ask, you know, when you are broaching these topics, um, is that something that, you know, people are even aware of here in Israel? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, the diet industry, is, the diet mentality and the diet talk, I guess, and that, that that's still like the main um, language and themes that we have in our society. It is getting more and more um, in the public eye because of a lot of body body positive activists and a lot of social media accounts that promote positive body image. We're aware of it. I don't think it's in the public. It's in the, like the public, like in the, you know, people, I don't think people talk about it enough as they should, but I think it depends on what age demographic you look at because in the, in the small, in the younger ages, it is getting more, um, more awareness. But I do find a lot actually that in my clinic, when I talk to my patients, I have to explain to them what it is. And once they understand what fat phobia is, you can see like something click, you know, when you, when you, <laughs> you explain someone, you, you explain something to someone that he or she has been experiencing their whole life, but there's finally like a term for it. And we understand it and we have research about it. It kind of takes a lot of pressure off. It's like, wait, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. Something in society is really messed up. And you can actually, I can see, which is amazing to see, because you can see like that moment when like, you know, something clicks and suddenly like a little, a little tension relieves and you can see like, different look on someone's face i think people basically have some awareness to this idea but not enough i explain it a lot because we internalize diet culture so much and in israel there are a lot of different kind of people but basically we put a lot of focus on our outward appearance and also if you know israeli people you know that we tend to be a bit rude sometimes it's called um, the israeli chutzpah you know <laughs> So it's very common for strangers to make comments about basically everything. You can, I don't know, go to the train in Jerusalem and people will start talking about you, talking about if you're getting married soon or if you need to lose weight. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting and I think it's a unique phenomenon. And I think as a society, it's problematic. And I wouldn't say that it's only in the Israeli society. I don't think so. But I think the basic problem with that is that it's pretty hypocrite. Think about it. We don't really care so much about other people's health. We just try to justify our fat phobia with health concerns. Think about, um, let's give you an example. Think about two people eating a burger or a pizza or whatever. One is skinny and the other is overweight. Think about how people view them. 
they will view the same act of eating some junk food differently based on the people's appearance. They will think that maybe the, uh, the overweight people is probably lazy, doesn't take care of their health, neglect their health, and the skinny people is uh, good for them. They're letting themselves eat something. So we don't care really about health. We care more about aesthetics. And I think this is the basic problem. So, I mean, clearly all of these things that we've been talking about, um, they all stem from kind of a very common level of misinformation and, you know, learning the wrong things growing up uh, from media and from even from, you know, our loved ones. Um, so from your experience, I'd like to pick your brain and get to know what's the most common misinformation that's going around about body image. Um, I'd like to define body image. Um, okay. It's basically how we see ourselves when we look in the mirror and how we picture ourselves in our minds. It's our beliefs about our appearance and it's how we feel about our body. It's also basically the sense of control that we think that we have about our body. And I think the main misconception about body image is that it has to do more with the, I mean, the misconception is people think that it has to do with the way you look out on the outside. But body image and positive body image has to do more with the narrative that you have in your head than with how you look. The main misconception is people think, okay, I'll lose weight and I, and I have a better body image. Or I'll get fit and I have a better body. And that does happen in some some time, but a lot of cases we see it actually makes the body image worse. Um, and what people need to understand is that positive body image has more to do with the way you talk to your body. And in today's society, especially in the fitness industry, a lot of people's body image takes a really, really large portion of their self-worth and like who they are as a person. And having a healthy body image is very important of mental well-being. It's also um, having bad body image is uh, unfortunately a very good predictor of eating disorders. You can feel better about your body even if you're over, even if you're underweight. And from that point, you can learn how to take care, better care of it. And I think the biggest misconceptions that we have is, like I said before, that we can judge someone's health situation based on their looks. I think uh, it's part of diet culture that we have a very dichotomous view of health and weight. We tend to think that skinny equals healthy and overweight equals unhealthy. And health is much more complicated than that. And you cannot judge someone health by their appearance. So I think that when people understand that, like I said, body image has more to do with the way you feel and the way you take care of your body than the way you look. That's where like the, the very important and like main changes happen when you're talking about body image. What do you see as the future for, um, I guess, progressing these ideas for the sake of um, for the sake of, of everyone, right? Who's who may be suffering from from these uh, symptoms? A more holistic approach to health, and there is the health at every size movement that is gaining a lot of traction in the world now. There's a lot of people that you could, there's a lot of ways to um, to look at the health at every size movement, but it doesn't mean that you're healthy in every size because we do know that there is some health risks with being obese, but it means that you should strive to be healthy at every size. You should strive to look after your body. So I think the main thing that needs to start 
the change needs to start actually with um, health healthcare professionals. I just want to be clear. Maybe you've heard of the movement health at every size. Um, I don't think that you can be healthy in any size. Being extremely over or underweight usually comes with health risks. But how many people are really at the extremes of the spectrum? Not much. So I think the biggest problem is the belief that we can judge someone's health by their appearance and our need to quote-unquote help overweight people. And I know in, when I was getting my degree, there's within, I don't think there's like one course or one lesson we talk about fat phobia or weight stigma or like um, normal weight obesity or overweight healthy people. There wasn't even an option. The same thing with uh, with medical school. Like every every uh, disease you you learn, it automatic automatically connected to obesity. Then now there's there might be something there, but I think the change also needs the change first of all needs to start um, in the healthcare professionals and their um, the the course, their studies, and everything. What I mean, I think there should be a more diverse uh, representation of the of, of body types in uh, in our like. In our common living areas, I guess, when you walk in the streets, when you go to shop, where you go to, uh, when you go to, when you see TV, or even there should be like warning, warning stickers on photoshopped pictures or on um, things that can trigger bad eating behaviors and, and negative body image. A really aggressive campaign in Tel Aviv for weight loss. It's everywhere. And I've been getting messages all day from my patients because it's a really fat phobic campaign. And another city in Rishon, they put they put scales across the city, across the boardwalk. So, I mean, I think the the problem is that people were when you're not aware to what fat phobia is and how deeply rooted it's in our society, you you don't notice it. But when once you're like get out of the diet culture matrix, I guess. You start to see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. All right. Between, you know, talking about sizeism, diet culture, and uh, relationships with food, I I think you've definitely given us a lot of food for thought. Um, (laughs) Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, Well, just that I'm really glad that this topic is coming up because I know that a lot of people are kind of scared to talk about it. And I think that, the main misconception when you're talking about fat phobia and when you're trying to fight against fat phobia is people think that you're promoting obesity. It's, that's one of the main arguments that I come across. When I talk to people, people about it, every time you post something on Instagram, it's automatically that, okay, obesity isn't healthy and blah, blah, blah. And I just want to make, want to make it clear that when we're talking about fighting fat phobia, we're talking about first seeing people and then seeing fats and numbers and body fat percentage because today it's the other way around. I'd like to encourage each and every one of us to take more critical look of our thoughts and assumptions that we tend to make. It's mostly something that we do pretty much unaware and we judge people by their looks. Everybody, I do it too, even though I'm aware. But we should be more aware and we should challenge our thoughts. It's our responsibility to think critically And we should treat people with compassion and respect no matter what. When you know better, you do better. And we should know better. Thanks for listening. If you have a story you'd like to share or a perspective you think should be heard, let us know. 
You can reach us on anchor.fm slash israel-underground or facebook.com slash il-underground. Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki Farber-Hemison. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.